CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports, and brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, uh, for more information and full disclosures. Our thanks to them for their support of the show. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is December the 18th. Um, which, if you're if you're wondering, Virginia just played a basketball game, like literally just played a basketball game. Um, I'm guessing Tony's probably already done post game by now. Um, why am I in the place of Franklin States? Because um, we had to we had to get this podcast content for you. Like I couldn't couldn't leave you hanging. You know, it's a holiday. I can't be uh, giving you coal. Um, so we are we're going to talk about Virginia's uh, 2020 early signing period um, day, afternoon, and then evening. Um, and then we will, I think, discuss said basketball game, which, um, spoiler alert, was fine, right? It wasn't, I wouldn't call it good, and it wasn't necessarily bad. It was like Doritos, you know, it was fine. Um, we will get into all that uh, exciting uh, conversation, I'm sure. Um, first, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on this program. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Brad. Doritos are delicious. That game was not. Um, who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> delicious, he says. <laughs> and up in Reston, staff writer Justin Ferber also on the program. How are you, my friend? Yeah. I, I First off, I just want to thank God. I want to thank my coaches. I want to thank my teammates because I wouldn't be here without any of them. Oh, my goodness. My, my podcast co-hosts. Wow. Um, I'm, a, I'm committed to doing two podcasts tonight. Respect my decision. <laughs> You got to give the people your Twitter handle though. The stick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Um, for all your recruiting and uh, <laughs> decommitment updates. There you go. Uh, Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so, all right. I, I, I want to get before I, I talk about the class. I want to get impressions on where things are at least as of now. So Virginia has. Um, added Suaganlier uh, to its class, three-star defensive end. Um, thought by most, including myself, uh, to be a guy waiting until um, February to sign, but Virginia got him to do it, and uh, LOI came in um, this evening, which is, I think every early signing period, there's been another one later in the day or in the night, um, or the next day. In the, wasn't Kareem Al-Sufi um, the next day? Or something like there was some weird. Yeah, well, there, then there were the dude. There were a few guys that committed in in February, I believe, or like one or two that they yeah. had to wait on. Yeah, yeah, his was like the day after signing day because yeah. remember they weren't going to sign and then he did. Yeah, it was something weird. Like there that. was some some weird you know situation. Anyway, the bottom line is is that Virginia sits um, in a in a pretty decent spot. Again, it's a um, it's a class that Bronco believes addresses some needs, but it do- doesn't address every need. Um, Dave, let's start with you. What what do you like about this class, and what do you what do you where, where do you feel like this class is lacking to you? Uh, there's plenty to like. Um, it's weird, you know. This morning I was kind of going through the roster, trying to figure out like how many spots were there, like how many guys could they add after the like we had 13 going into today, basically with Clark still not officially off the off the commitment list. Um, and there's just like the roster's so full, like you know. We, we talked about it prior to Bronco, like, you know, attrition was such an issue with the previous coaching staffs and having to, re, you know, restart every year. Um, we've been pretty fortunate with attrition injury or transfer related. So, 
got a pretty full roster after multiple years of Bronco and the, those guys recruiting. And when you look at this class added to what we had, like they, they hit the areas of weakness. I mean, I think if you're going to identify a couple of areas you needed to add talent, like you always want to add a couple of offensive linemen every year. You always want to add some guys in the, on the defensive, in the defensive line. Um, and they had Carter committed for what, like six years now. Um, so, you know, with, uh, picking up Sue late today, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> picking him up late today at, you know, added a defensive end, which is probably the one thin spot on the defensive line. And then you add players at, at positions, um, and who kind of fit the mold for what this staff has shown they were able to, able to develop. So having a plan, sticking to it, recruiting to it, it's a refreshing thing that we've continued to see year after year. Um, Again, like, I mean, I think Bronco mentioned it. I mean, I think we'd all like to see more Virginia guys, but it's not like we're losing to Virginia Tech. We, we both have one one guy from the state. Um, and what I do like in the press conference today, Bronco didn't kind of stick his head in the sand or come up with a reason. Like, he's always been very honest about why that why that is. Um, and even he, you know, I don't think it's as important as it was like 10 years ago because guys just don't stay home like they used to. But um it does, you know, it does help for as far as, you know, scholarship costs and all that other stuff and just ease of, you know, ease of recruiting to have a guy hour down the road. So, you know, year after year, he continues to impress me as far as things I'd like to see. I mean, I think we'd, we'd like to see a couple more, you know, four or five star guys, um, but we've won without it. So I'm not going to be upset about it. What about you, Verber? What, uh, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, as far as the in-state thing that Dave just hit on, I think that that's relevant. Um, I personally don't really care where the players come from. Like, I, I know a lot of people on the board, if you're listening to this, there are people that are like, we have to do better. It's like a pride sort of thing. But I don't really think that matters nowadays. Like Dave said, a lot of people come from all over the place to play at different schools. And if you look at where UVA got the players from in this class, I mean, they're from all over the place, Colorado, Louisiana, Florida, um, the Northeast, you know, with the commitment tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it helps. It, those are the guys that if you can get them, it kind of speaks to the overall health of your program. So I think in 2021, we might see a nice uptick in that area. Um, as far as strengths, I think that, uh, there's not really a reach. Um, I, uh, it sounds weird, but like, even last year and the year before where UVA put together pretty decent classes with Bronco, I, th I thought that there were like a couple of guys that I'm not saying that I thought they would be bad players or anything, but they were for one reason or another unpolished, or you knew that they would probably need two or three years before they would really be able to do anything on the field. Um, I mean, last year they took multiple players from Europe where the competition is, if there is any competition at all, like very slim, um, guys that haven't been playing football for very long or guys that like, you know, you just knew that they had the athletic profile, but they hadn't played football very long or like they just needed a lot of time in the weight room to get to where they need to be. But in this class, I really don't see any guys where I'm like, whoa, that guy's gonna, that, that might be like a borderline take. I mean, if you look at the guys they got, there's not a lot of them, but they're all solid. I think pretty much everybody in the group had other power five offers, except for maybe Ira Armstead and, and maybe one or two of the guys that, th that they got really early, and then maybe Sam Brady, who might qualify as a little bit of a reach, but 
Um, I think, I mean, he has the profile you're looking for, and I trust the staff with, with developing linebackers that might not be the highest rated guys based on what we've already seen. As far as things that you're, they're missing, I mean, I think Bronco kind of hit on it today. A wide receiver is a little thin. Um, it's great that they were able to get Lavelle Davis and then keep him committed, even though he got an Oregon offer after he committed to UVA. Um, but I think that you know, I think that missing Devin Chandler today was a disappointment for me because I think that that guy is like supremely underrated. I know we have him as a two, and he I mean his film is not a two star from his senior year, so he'll probably get a re rank if I had to guess. Um, but I mean, I just wish they could add another player there. I mean, it's not too late. You still have the February signing period, but if you look at what they have on the roster, I, I did kind of chart it out today. Outside receiver next year, you're going to have Jana and Wicks, Obasi, Goddard, and then Lavelle Davis coming in. So that's like one guy that's played a lot, another guy who's played a little bit and shown flashes, Obasi who has gotten snaps, but I don't think he's caught a pass, and then Goddard played like two games this year. And then on your inside receivers, you have Billy Kemp, Tavares, Kelly. Um, Billy Kemp obviously came on at the end of the season, but, I mean, Tavares Kelly's been in and out of the lineup. He's been suspended now, and so was Kemp, actually, for the first game of the season. And then I threw Seneca Millage there because I don't. there's no other guys on scholarship. So, I mean, I think at some point you got to try to figure out a way to add to that, and hopefully um, if they can add, a, a, like, a really good grad transfer, which sounds like it could happen, um, that would be a huge need for them. But I think that they need to, you know, improve the overall depth of that position. Um, I want to sort of look at it in a global sense, right? So it was going to be a small class anyway. So what do you need in a small class? If you have some needs, you got to, you got to address them. I think the wide receiver points you, you just made are pretty spot on. Um, missing on Chandler is tough because if I almost wonder, I, I feel like if they got Chandler, I, I can't say I would feel like markedly different about the class, but I would feel much better about it just because one skill set wise, he's, he's a perfect fit. Um, I mean, he's a, and he could play inside or out. Right, exactly. So, like, like, he's, his you versatility could really do a lot with him. Exactly, his versatility is key. Um, and it and it and it also too would have given you. Um, it would have it would have made things a little easier because I think grad transfers are a crapshoot, right? So, you know, you might get one, you know, like um, like Applefield with, that's just perfect, right? And then you might get one, um, you know, like I I, I think Brissett and Chapman. You know, they have made some contributions here and there, but they haven't been they haven't consistently been, you know, moving the needle. Right. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, in terms of the group, I mean, look, we can we can kind of gloss over it a little bit because of the mission part. But Andrew Gentry is an um, just an incredibly important get for them. Um, haven't had a offensive lineman that highly rated in a decade. Um, typically, they don't get offensive linemen that are anywhere close, right? So it's not even like, oh, he's a top 100 kid and they've been getting rivals to 50 kids. Like, they have not come close to that on the line. Um, Jaquay Hubbard was was obviously a pretty solid one. Um, and, and I think that in the long run, you know, there are probably a couple kids in there. Like, Rankin Meyer, I think, was better than we probably had him rated. Um, but overall, Gentry and his offer list and his size and his ability, I mean, he's the best recruit Broncos ever signed. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily close. That is a nice step in the right direction at a position of need, regardless of whether or not, you know, he's not going to be available for two years. Um, and then obviously going to come back in red shirt that first year. Um, I, I thought that getting Gentry and then getting gains uh, and then adding a gun is, is, is important because 
typically UVA doesn't close very well, right? Like the last couple classes, I feel like we've come to signing day and not had a whole lot to talk about that wasn't already sort of in, you know, the case for months. Um, but closing this way, I mean, listen, they, they, of the guys that they were seriously involved with, the only one they missed on really was Chandler. Um, they're still in the mix with Clowney. They're still in the mix um, to some level, I guess, with Huntley. Um, they Horton. They, you know, they got the, you know Horton. If if heck, if Horton had signed today, he probably would have picked Baylor. Um, and that, heck, that might yeah. still happen. That might happen while we're recording. Um, I think my my thing is is that I, I probably would have liked one more defensive lineman. So basically, you get Carter and you get a Gunlier, but the, you know what I mean? Like one more like guy with some size, you know, like one more, you know, whether it's a true defensive end or it's the guy who could play inside or out just one more. Now Carter, I think is a guy because we've, we've, we've known about him for so long that it's easy to sort of like, I don't know. I don't want to say miss, miss, like misremember him or just like lose track of him. But like that kid's really big, really strong, really physical, um, obviously trains at a an incredibly high level um i really like his his future potential um your point about sam brady earlier was was really spot on we have him as a wide receiver um this is exactly the kind of kid that bronco typically does really well with right like these these dudes who don't seem to make a lot of sense to us on the outside and then they play and like oh that's what it's supposed to look like um, it's like the, one of the things it seems like to me that they really emphasize and obviously every coach probably looks for this is speed at linebacker where it's like these guys like Noah Taylor, Jordan Mack, who have played secondary positions, or Charles Snowden, who was just like a freak athlete, um, but really fat. I think that Brady seems like he has that sort of – I mean, he's not that big, but he has that sort of athletic profile where it's like he can fly around the field, and then you just get him bigger and stronger and teach him how to play the position. The the one, I don't know, negative to me, right? So Gaines is a um, – he goes to school in Virginia, but he is he is the only one with any sort of Virginia connection. Uh, in this class thus far. Um, now, we understand that Lorenz Terry is a kid that at Verina who they have committed in expectation is, you know, he'll, he'll sign in February. Um, and that at least give him one. Um, I thought Bronco's comments about the state and about, um, you know, this is something that we've already seen starting to change. They already have one in-state commitment for 2021. Um, in terms of the big picture of recruiting, you you can't sort of punt on your own state the way Virginia has and expect that you're going to start to just have success. But what you can do is you can sort of punt on your state, get some other kids, coach them up, win some games, and then do exactly what Virginia's done, right? Beat Tech, go to the uh, go to the championship game for the conference, and hope that that success turns into something. And Bronco, I thought his his summation of that was really clear. Like, yes, this has given us momentum, and yes, we've seen a difference on the trail. It still remains to be seen, like whether we can put that where it needs to be um i don't know if in the current landscape it can happen that fast where you're just all of a sudden now going to get like half the top 15 or something like that but it wouldn't be a bad thing to get a couple of the top 15 right like maybe three of them wouldn't you know that doesn't seem too far-fetched and this this class sets up you know sort of well for uva especially because to these kids as they've been recruited virginia's been a winning program um and that's that's not exactly something you could say for um, a lot of classes now, right? So, like, this group, I mean, primarily yeah. their entire high school career, Virginia's been good. Um, yeah, and, I mean, and that should I mean, pay I some guess dividends. the one saving grace – yeah, I mean, I guess the one saving grace is it's not like the top guys were going to, like, Carolina or NC State. I mean, they were going to 
you know, Penn I State mean, I can literally – Bronco, Bronco <laughs> mentioned that in his press conference that he had, like, a list of – I think it was, like, eight guys. Eight them, yeah. I, yeah. So I tried to figure out who the guys were, and it's pretty easy. <laughs> um, the, te- the teams they committed to, as far as what I can tell, are Penn State, including one player that was actually committed to UVA before, um, LSU, Clemson, Florida, one to North Carolina, and then one somewhere else that I'm blanking on. LSU. Um, so, I mean, it's not like – I don't. they're not in the same pond as those guys, but I do agree with what you're saying, Brad. I think that you can't get all those guys, but maybe you convince one, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah convince some, two. Yeah, if you're not thinking – like, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at, like, let's say top 15, right? What you want to have, though, is you want to have some semblance of a, of a footprint in your footprint, right? You want um, – you, you want to be able to have – some guys, because a lot of the things that 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 cost you later, right? Distance from home, um, you know, inability yeah, to transfer, your family, you know, that risk. Kind of, like, yeah. yeah, right. You're you're sort of playing yourself into a situation where now there are these negatives. For example, um, the Beal kid's a perfect example, right? Like, here was a guy late in the process, um, liked UVA, committed. He gets hurt. He's already homesick, and now he can't play. How much nicer would it have been if that kid was instead of being from Texas, was you know from Loudon? You know what I mean? Like if you can just if you can have a couple more of those kids, it helps because it's it's like I think it's a cycle. Right. You start to get more kids and then more kids start to come. I feel like Virginia couldn't do any of that until I mean, I don't I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill with the tech game. But I do think that that was incredibly important just from a perception standpoint. Um, But I also feel like, you know, winning in general uh, like I said, this is that first class where these kids understand that Virginia football is not, you know, in the cellar of the of the coastal division every year. Um, that win- winning in general um, begets better recruiting, and I think the closer you are to the program, the more you see the warts. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, like I think if if we're sitting here this time next year and I'm talking about one guy in Virginia, it's a little more yeah. concerning to me because we had the now. same conversation last year. Yeah. So it's like, mean, but this year we kind of knew it was going to be like this. right. Yeah. Yeah. Why not, but, you know, it, Virginia beat Virginia Tech, what, three weeks ago, about 19 days ago? Um, yeah. Not that I know exactly. But uh, the – so, I mean, and the recruitment's pretty much done at that point. So it's – now the guys, are, they're working on the, the sophomores and juniors now. Like, it's a whole new conversation they get to have. So for those guys, when it's time for them to ultimately make their decision, I think that's where you'll see the change. And, if, I mean, not just Virginia, but I think if, if you look at Virginia and Virginia Tech two years from now, if, if half the – top in-state guys aren't at one of those two programs and they both got some figuring out to do um i mean it's not just a virginia thing like you know if you look at all the schools nationwide outside of like texas and florida you know the florida schools they're all recruiting nationwide um it just adds and i don't want to simplify it into cost like you guys are right about the transfer thing but we've also seen virginia kids get hurt and end up leaving virginia so um but, you know, it's it's just the cost, you know, the difference in scholarship between out-of-state and in-state. You know, I think, was it Carolina that adopted the rule where their schools can charge athletes in-state tuition, even if they're from out-of-state? Like, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but you're talking about fifteen, twenty thousand 20000 a year per kid uh, for football that the Athletics Foundation has to come up with. So there is a monetary reason to do it. And in addition to the, the ease of recruiting, the ease for family to see you, and the when you've got a guy from, say, you know, a school in Richmond playing for you, all his teammates can come watch him play, and they 
some of those guys are going to be good and want to come play with them. So yeah, it's just a, a weird balance where it's like Bronco is very, I don't want to say picky cause that's too bland, but like they have a very specific profile at each position that they're looking for. And then he also on top of that made it very clear that he's picky as far as personality. Um, what we saw with the previous coaching staff, and I understand that we're past that now, but I think <laughs> I think that this is just my guess. I I think they would probably disagree with me, but I think that they took some kids that they should not have taken in state because they were in state. I think that's like fair. they wouldn't they would not if that kid was from Columbus, Ohio, they would not yeah. have taken. No, you're right. I think that's exactly it. Yeah, that would, and you don't want that agree. because then your roster is filled with guys that they might transfer for a different reason. Um, or they might not leave, but you you would rather that they did because they're holding a scholarship. Um, um, it's a, it's a yeah, t- and that stuff matters. Yeah, if even if you look at this roster, and I think the staff has done a really good job of bringing in like-minded guys, even though they're from all around the country, and they've all bought in. But if you look at the few guys that have had trouble, if you follow them on you know, on social media, like you know that they're in trouble. They're friends with the guy, the other guys who've been in trouble. Yeah, um, like they're small small cliques. So you've got to be super cautious about about that like you know talent doesn't supersede culture building um you know bronco's not trying to build a one-year one one a one-year winning program he's trying to win something build something that lasts um so there is a trade-off but yeah i mean i mean i think i feel i feel like we're talking a little bit we're not talking enough about the guys we did get because there's no, some no, good no, dudes the, there. no 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 <laughs> that's and i think i think the conversation around it inclu- is included i think that for example like jameer carter is not from Virginia proper. Yeah, I was going to mention right? that too. Like those dudes are technically not in Virginia, but they they're local. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And Jesse Johnson is less, not Im- less impressive than getting a kid right. from the seven yeah. five seven. I think it's one of those things where you can you can quibble over it. Well, the line is here, and these are Virginia kids. I think it, for 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 the sake of this discussion, including the guys who are um, in that DMV, I think that's fair. But I also think too that one of the things we're trying to we're drilling into really is this is in some ways like the last the last bit of of um, it's like the last unpainted wall, right? So let's say you're coming in and you're and you're flipping a house, right? And you're trying to get through, you know, you're making repairs here and stuff. The last thing you do is to make it look good is you you paint the walls, right? That's like one of the last things you do um, after you've you know repaired them and you know whatever whatever. I, I kind of feel like this is one of those last pieces that has to fall into place for UVA in terms of the rebuild, right? You're probably not going to consistently pull rivals 100 kids at UVA, right? You're probably going to get some over the court, you know, just like you're not going to win the ACC every year. Is that realistic to expect? But like pulling some kids in state, getting that sort of traction in certain locations and certain high schools and such, like that's an important piece and getting, getting that done is, is one of the last parts of that rebuild. I think that they have honestly done a really nice job of getting through um, in turn because they were able to turn kids, you know, they were, they were able to set up pipelines with Florida or Louisiana or wherever and, and do something with those guys. Um, So in a way it's almost like to get the Virginia kids, they had to like prove they could win without them, which is strange, but Ultimately, you're right. This is a class I think that has a lot of, you know, a lot of strengths to it. Um, for example, for me, like, if you ever wondered what Charles Snowden looked like at wide receiver, you're going to get to see it, um, because in a lot of ways, I watched Lavelle Davis and he reminds me of him. Um, and that was before I showed up today and they handed me a roster that had him at six seven, um, which is ironic because everybody on this list just about had an extra inch up in their rivals profile, whereas. Davis had one had 
he, he his was actually you know he was actually shorter um, in the database. Um, they don't have a kid in this class that's under six one in in, in yeah. a rivals database. Well, you know one other thing you mentioned earlier that Bronco has you know he has his um his his kind of blueprint in his head or I guess as a staff, I guess I should say that they have, you know, measurable, you know, blueprints. And if it like a defensive back is five, 10, you know, that kid's going to have to be incredibly special in order for them to really go after like they want length. I thought today I'm pretty sure, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive that today is the first time that Bronco has ever said early enrollment is a net like, a net positive. The way he's described in the past is that, like yes. if a kid wanted to come early, they could, but he would rather they go through their normal high school experience and experience that because it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Today was the first time I've ever heard him, and it, it, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm pointing this out because it's a it's a it's a sign of evolution, right? Like we think of Bronco being this kind of firm, um, you know, almost rigid dude, right? Like this is the way it's going to be. You know, measure twice, cut once, move forward. Like that, to me, his his answer on that question showed me that he really has kind of evolved on this. He's gone from he would he'd be okay with it to now it, he he even I think he used the word preferred, like that he likes the idea that they, it's the ideal situation because they come in, they get winter workouts, then they get spring and they get more workouts and then they get summer classes and then they get fall camp, which is a lot better than they just show up and then a few weeks later you start fall camp. Um, not only do I, I, I agree with him, um, but I also just thought it was interesting because he's, he's, he's definitely moved his position from one place to the other. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something he actually talked about. I'm 95% sure it's something he talked about in his introductory press conference. Um, certainly at his first signing class, but you know, it's something he said that he felt the high school experience was very valuable and skipping out your spring semester, you were kind of cheapening that. Right. Um, but I do also remember him saying, like, that's something we'll evaluate over time. Um, and clearly at Virginia, like, I think we've all had this discussion for multiple years now, you know, with the academic rigors, like coming in, in in the summer and then going to class and learning to be a football player is a bit much. Um, and the schools who bring the, you know, whether it was the old gray shirt term or whatever you want to use, um, bringing guys in in January, like, I mean, they're not freshmen by the time they get to fall camp. I mean, they're by, you know, by eligibility they are. But, you know, spring practice to me is like the development time. Fall camp is like the get it right time. Um, so Yeah, and it's like they don't have to, like, they're huge. not like learning how to warm up and stuff in, in August when you need them to be practicing. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at it, like, you're talking about two or a couple weeks into fall camp, it's been for some of these guys even get clear to practice. Um well, it's like long. the way that UVA does things. It seems like in the spring you could just be like, "All right, you're not really going to practice. You're just going to earn your right to practice in the spring, and then in the fall you'll you'll just be good to go." Yeah, and I think even even if that's the way you approach it, where if you're just getting that first class, your your first year's practice eligible, um, and letting your sophomores and juniors and seniors like get a lot of snaps while the other guys learn how to work out, that helps your program come fall. Um, I mean, it's a trade-off for sure. Um, I mean, I don't, you guys probably remember your second semester senior year of high school. Like, I'd hate to give that up, but I also wasn't good enough to play football. So. Man, the thing is, <laughs> my second semester senior year was a waste. Like, oh, that's what I, I mean. That's was, what I did not want to give up. The waste. Yeah, it was. It was, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun, but it was like I didn't do anything. I had like two classes. 
you know it was just kind of like running out so i think for these kids that are like ready to graduate in december and go to these like you know good academic schools or have good academic records and want to do it sure because again it's their choice it's not like they're being forced to do it maybe maybe it's some yeah. schools <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you think about it though I mean, if you're if you're a d1 football player or even you know not, not to crab on d2 or d3 but you know if you're a d1 football player and you come in in the spring you know coming in in january that spring semester is so much easier for you even with spring practice it's so much easier than fall is. So, I mean, to I them, mean, that Florida might be has more a couple right? of guys that are practicing right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With the, because I guess technically you can, right? So, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's just something, it's there for you to use. And it does, it's not against NCAA rules. I mean, it's just, you know, why not use it when you can? Like, yeah. I understand, like, the academic thing with UVA, but when it's like, also it's too, gotta like, be a little give and take. I talk to a lot of kids and they'll and I'll ask them that question and they'll say, "Oh, my school doesn't allow us to do that," you know. So like for some guys, it's not an option, right? It's yeah, not it's like whether, a deal breaker. Whether UVA wanted them to or not, like they their school just won't let them do it. Um, but frankly, like it's become so commonplace that I have to ask every kid because it's such a you know either kids want to do it and either they fall short or or maybe their you know their school won't let them do it or whatever, or they want they they plan to do it and then something something happens and just dis- disrupts the apple cart. I feel like what the way Bronco explained it today and and kind of talking about like what it what the experience is really like for a for a for an actual football player versus when they come in in the summer. It's not like he said anything that was, you know, um you know, significantly, you know, he didn't drop any like new knowledge, right? But it was the way he framed it. I was like, you know, it actually makes a lot of sense. Because it really is kind of a perfect situation in a lot of ways. Other than, you know, on the on the front end, you got to do a whole lot if you want to get done, depending on your school and, and how everything's set up, to get yourself to a place where you can graduate in December and then enroll um, in a few weeks later. I think that as of now, let's see, Ira Armstead, uh, Donovan yeah, Johnson. I was going to say, we should probably just say who they And Josh Rollins are the players the right now. Bronco, I don't know if he meant if he meant to do this or not. But he said something. And Sue. Sue's coming. Okay. He said something to the effect of, you know, that there could be two more. And so my guess is is that that either there's a kid who is committed who is on the fence about it. Um, but I did not think he meant, like, oh, UVA could get more commitments. And those, you know, I know Sue was one, but in general, you know what I mean? Like, he said they I could get a couple. He's, I think I, that he's counting think a certain grad, grad transfer wide receiver from UCLA. Right, yeah. Um, which <laughs> who, who is basically like trying to enroll early at the school of his choice at the school of his choice. Um, well, I mean that, that was, I'm being, like for real, like he's like, like he's visited a few schools and he's like trying to get in and UVA is one of them. And um, it sounds like UVA has a good show, but I think that's what like, if we were talking about this earlier, but like, um, I know that it's weird to count gra- like transfers, but sometimes they just do that in their head. Like the coaches, um, because they're new players. Because like when Bryce Perkins transferred to UVA, they they announced him as like a signee, um, I think on signing day. So I mean, like they kind of that's how he was probably thinking about it in his head. Let's uh, let's finish up our our discussion on signing day with a um, let's do like a, a most talked about like high profile guy, um, and then talk about maybe our sleeper of the group. Um, I'm gonna go first because. Uh, I could do that. Um, you know, I don't feel like I see enough people talking about Josh Rawlings and the fact that he's enrolling early 
I mean, listen, when's the last time UVA had a tight end commitment that was, you know, not just 6'5", 245, but in a position that, that you could legitimately see playing both in terms of the <laughs> passing game and in terms of, Brad, you know, blocking. When Brad, when's the last time UVA had a tight end? Well, I, I wasn't, I was, I was, <laughs> I was building to that. Right. Um, I, I don't know if, if, if when he committed, if that really moved the needle for a lot of people, I mean, it's a three-star tight end, da, 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 da. But like, he's got a chance to be incredibly important, especially as I watch this offense this season and I realize like how much they ask Tanner Cowley. Like if this offense had, um, oh, what was the kid's name from Notre Dame? Um, commit. Um, Cole commit. If well, they, they had, just, they have one of those dudes every year. Would you see what I mean? Like if they had that dude, they had, if they had a guy like that, right. This offense would be even more imp- impressive. Um, I, I just feel like Rollins is a kid who's going to be a sleeper for a lot of people. But, and the fact that he's enrolling early makes it, um, I think all the more, um, possible that he makes some early contributions. Um, Ferber, we'll go to you next. Who's uh, give me either your sleeper or your or your standout guy? The, 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 my sta- the my standout guy, um, and and honestly, I have two choices, but I'll go with one. Uh, I kind of forgot how good Brandon Williams was until I went back and looked at his stuff today. Um, that dude is just—he's got everything you're looking for from the profile. He plays against good competition in a really good state. Um, you look at his offer list. I mean, he could have gone to. Any, anywhere, he had a ton of offers. Um, the reason he gets, I think, kind of forgotten about, uh, he's not my sleeper, but I think it's just because he was so drama-free during the process. Like, that's the kind of guy that if he had gone late into the process would have probably had a lot of attention. Um, and he just kind of quietly committed to UVA during the season, uh, I think right after the Florida State game. Um, and I, I just think that he has everything you're looking for. He's polished. Um, he's coming in to play that position much more polished than Noah Taylor or Charles Snowden did when they got here. He might not be as athletic as those guys, but he's a guy that could develop into a future pro, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Dave, give us uh, let's. Yeah. Why don't you give us your sleeper, and that way we can round out that 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 category here on Jeopardy. Uh, all right. So, I mean, you guys knocked off my top performer and my sleeper in one. Um, no, but I'll go. I like Brady, man. Like. Um, you know, I kind of looked at him as a wide receiver because I didn't really consider him as an outside linebacker until today. And then when you go to watch his <laughs> defensive film and you think of, you look how good, like, how fluid he moves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his spark score, like he was 99th percentile. Yeah, his spark eight. stuff was in, was incredible. I mean, he's like a four six nine guy, which is fine. Like people think like there's not many four four linebackers got. Um, so. Like, I, I just think of him in that like that Jordan Mack, Rob Snyder role at the inside linebacker being able to uh, come up and help with the run, but also drop back in coverage and, and have enough speed to, to blitz. Like, I think he is a guy with, a, you know, a year of seasoning in the strength and conditioning program. He's got a great frame and he's got great, athlete, great athleticism. And knowing how this staff, how this defense relies on the linebackers, I think he's a guy we'll probably talk about a lot. My, uh, I mean, I could go on for like a day and a half about Gentry. The one thing with him is, I guess, because he played in a power offense ground and pound sort of system it's not just that he needs to red shirt for you know to get his size back after not being like a part of a program for two years but it's also like you know he's gonna it's gonna take some getting used to um there's just a whole lot of clay there um i think for me listen i understand that when we say like you know highly rated or whatever but like i watch ira armstead 
And listen, I'm not saying that he. I, well, I will say we have him underrated. I think that's that that ship is clearly sailed. But yeah, I watch his film and I think, dang, like he looks like perfect for what they want, like perfect for what they want. And there are there are guys in this class, Williams, uh, Gaines. I'm actually really excited about. Um, I think um, those DBs have a chance to be really good. Carter, I mentioned earlier. I mean, by the time he gets there, I don't know what his, his dad is going to have him like literally pushing homes um, over. But something about Armstead, man, like I, I watch his film and I just always come away thinking like, dude, that kid is going to is going to catch some people super duper off guard. Not like I, I had somebody asked me on Twitter today when I said something about him and like, well, you don't mean next year because Brendan has earned. His, you know, I don't mean next year. I'm not saying like he's going to come away and like start right off. But I'm just saying like, especially the fact that he's enrolling early and he can get you know, he gets that, that benefit, that bounce. I just have a lot of high expectations for him. And I think maybe that's a good way to frame this is like the guy you have the highest expectations for. Um, for me, that is definitely Armstead. I've, I just have a feeling that in a few years, people are going to be talking about um, how in the world Virginia managed to steal this kid from the Midwest in a situation where, you know, um, there are all these different, you know, football schools around him and none of them took a chance on him or wanted him. Uh, let's see, Ferber, you're next. Give me your your high profile star slash highest expectations guy. Yeah, I mean Williams was kind of my guy at the top. Um, Armstead was going to be my sleeper. I'll say if if you're looking for a high, I think this other guy is kind of both, and and that's Elijah Gaines. I think that he's like maybe one of the highest rated guys in the class, but I'd say he might actually be better than his rating. Um, I think there's a reason that he. And was committed to Penn State. Uh, I think he he fits everything you're looking for from a student athlete in terms of his personality fit. I mean, I think he's a class president at a really prestigious school that that Bronco mentioned is a good fit for UVA. Um, athletically, I like his profile. He's one of these big DBs that UVA really likes to recruit. I think he could play some corner. Um, I think he'll ultimately be a safety. But he's got everything you're looking for um, athletically. And I think he still could, you know, have his best football in front of him in terms of like if he I think this scheme could be a big benefit for him um, because I think he has some ability. It looks like from what I've seen to not only be you know good against the pass, but come up and and stop the run, but also work on these exotic blitzes that UVA likes to run. So I think, you know, UVA has a lot of uh, guys in the secondary that are going to be graduating after next year. You look at the safety group. Blunt, Moore, Cross, and Nelson will all be seniors. So, I mean, I think that he's the kind of guy that could end up playing, you know, in his second year. All right, Dave, round us up. Yeah, I mean, you guys stole like everyone I want to talk about. Um, well, also, there's like 10 players in this That's class, true. There's so like a lot. Yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. I mean, um, so I'll say like I think the sleeper is probably going to be Josh Rawlings, but Brad's kind of covered that. Um but I do think it's interesting. Like he's got wide receiver skills and, and tight end blocking ability. So not having to switch out a tight end, if you want to go five wide, it's going to be nice. Um, Justice Johnson. I don't think we've talked about a lot. Like that guy's kind of nasty in the middle, but I kind of wanted to mention him and Carter. Cause those guys committed early and like, they yeah. sometimes get forgotten about. Exactly. But yeah, my, my choice is going to be, is going to be Donovan Johnson. Uh, the, Will he sign today? Let's have a go. Let's have a go. I, I just like, I like, his, <laughs> I like his size, and God forbid the the live stream we had to watch today wasn't the most fun thing we've done. 
Um, but you he know seems what? Like a good kid. He, does, he yeah, seems like a great you kid. You look at that that environment. He, he was seems like the kid. kind of kid that's going to be like a kid that we hear from a lot. Like he's going to be fun with the media. Yeah, and he, stuff. Is. he is. He is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Man, I, honestly, I gained a lot of respect for him today because, like, you heard you heard a lot of like Arkansas. Yeah, all these Arkansas people are on the live stream. Half half his classmates have no clue what school it was after he put the hat on. Um, yeah, the one his kid was buddy like... went to Arkansas, and this dude still, even after taking the visit, like talked well, you know, talked great about UVA. But you know, all that's great. And also, Bronco made it seem like he was not worried at all. He was yeah, like, he never yeah. really wavered. Yeah, but that kid, like you know, all that aside, like if you go watch his film, like he's a big, lanky safety who has great ball skills. Um, and as Justin said, you know, you start talking about who we're gonna lose in the secondary like those guys are going to have a chance to step up pretty quickly yeah i want to see i want to see that kid once grizz puts him through the uh the bryce hall um ringer um well i guess we should take a break and then we should come back and talk about basketball which i know everybody's super excited about because i feel like we're going to say the same thing all season the cast corner podcast is brought to you tonight by second string sports and stewart's draft Second string has all the 2020 gear from Louisville Slugger, DeMarini, Wilson, Easton, and Evo Shield, as well as quality used gear. So if you play baseball, softball, soccer, or football, you can find the gear that you need at Second String Sports. If you have something from last season that you aren't using anymore, you can bring it to Second String and get a credit towards your next purchase. And if you're looking to purchase a new bat but you're not sure which one to get, Second String will let you try out the bats in their demo zone and talk to you about the best bat for your swing. Uh, Second String has a large selection of Wilson A2000 and A2 Clay gloves and is a Wilson Glove of the Month retailer. You can check out what Second String has to offer at their store just outside Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway, or you can go to their website right now. That's Second String Sports, second with a two, first string quality, first string service, Second String Sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CatsCorner.com. All right, so basketball goes out and comes off of the exam break with a 56-44 win over Stony Brook. A team that they were, I think, 17.5-point favorites to beat. Um, a team that they shot 31.3% from three against, which in some ways is a marked improvement. Um, was not necessarily a, a lot of fun to watch it unfold. Not sure we learned much other than Braxton Key is back, at least in some capacity. We're in a cast on that uh, that wrist that he that he broke. Um, he He didn't look comfortable, but he didn't look horrible and so i guess that's a step in the right direction especially because they're gonna play one game and they're gonna get a week off so you hope that by the time um you know by the time the non-conference schedule ends and you you get into acc play in january uh they'll be in a good spot i guess i just want to ask the question like this what do we think the ceiling is for this team i mean defensively they obviously have spells where they're just really really good and even when you get to their floor defensively it's still pretty good but what good is like holding a team to 44 points if you're struggling to score 45 you know what i mean like i i i, I don't want to gloss over that how good they are defensively or their potential defensively especially once key is back and and the and things are you know much more cohesive among the group but man i'm watching that offense and thinking look i i forget you i think dave it might have been your your point like at one point stony brook had four points and two shots they were going to be back in the game you know like that's it, it's just a it's a really frustrating sort of situation because you know how you, you know how tough this thing is going to get. I'm not saying the ACC is the end all be all this year in college basketball. There is no like you know Leviathan just waiting around the corner, but there are good enough teams that are going to make you you know they can play a zone. You know they can full court pressure and then play a zone and just basically let you shoot yourself to death. Um, what do you think the the expectations should be for this team day? What do, where where are you? 
on the outlook as of now. Yeah, I'm gonna have plenty of cold beer every time we have a game. <laughs> I can say that much. Um, the look, I don't know what the ceiling is. If this team was playing in last year against last year's teams, you know, it, the ceiling would probably be maybe second weekend. I don't know that. Like this team, based on what I've seen from other teams, as bad as this, as painful as it's been to watch, if this team like just shoots 35 percent and doesn't turn it over, you know gets to 35% from three and doesn't turn it over, they can make a run deep in the tournament. It wouldn't shock me, but it also wouldn't shock me if they go out round one because they don't shoot 35% and they do turn it over. Um, so ceiling is a little harder for me to gauge because it's a down year for college basketball across the board. Um, so if you're going to be a bad team, it's probably a good year to do it. The The floor is what concerns me <laughs> more than the ceiling because you see like moments like you got tonight and if you get against a team that is a little hot from three, whether it's, you know, Duke or Carolina or even like Wake Forest or Georgia Tech, like you can find yourself down nine points playing decent defense and then just hitting dumb shots. And how hard is it for this offense to come back from that kind of deficit? That's my bigger concern. Um, so it's like I said, I mean, I'm, <laughs> it's so hard to be critical of a team that year after you win a national championship, but it's also I think about how beautiful that offense it was times last year and what I'm seeing now. And it reminds me not to make a football analogy after talking football in the first part of the podcast, but it looks like Georgia tech's offense trying to run a spread with the, with the option <laughs> personnel. Actually, I want to drill into something you just said Ferber. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you in a second. You said you hate to, you hate to, to be critical after the year after the national championship. I want to have, maybe we should talk about this. Why not? Like, I understand, like, we had Because I said a lot of prayers to win that championship, dude. <laughs> this ain't about well, no, 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 I, about no, no. me and the big guy upstairs. I totally, right? No, no, I totally get that, and, and I respect it. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, and I know that there are a lot of people who probably listen to this podcast right now who think, like, hey, you know, we just won a national championship. You, you know, everybody should be thankful, and that's true. But there's no reason to think, especially in a year where there, like, literally are no real good teams, right? Like, this defense, with any sort of offense— like, Wall the Tense, I hit a three earlier, and I thought to myself, you know, if they made, like, three more of those a game, Virginia would be, like, almost unstoppable, right? Because their defense is such that, like, very few nights are they going to be in a spot where if they don't score, if they could score 63 points a game, they'd be, like, they'd be just crazy consistent. You know what I mean? I've like, said it before. If number five was on the floor, this team is probably a Final Four team. But I just don't want to put that on him because he did his thing. You know? No, 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 yeah, no, no. Force, I, I guess the the reason it, you said that it made me think. Like, is there like what what is our our, our not like you, me, and, and Ferber, but like just our general as humans? Like, why do we feel that we that we can't be critical just because they just won a championship? Like, I I promise you that Tony Bennett is. <laughs> not happy right he's not yeah. pleased and he's not going to stop i mean i think there's the competitiveness right it's like you you can't rest on your laurels you can't rest on what you did last year um i think we absolutely can be critical of them i i remember i got a text from somebody somewhere in the preseason i can't remember where and they were like offense is going to really struggle it's gonna be like 2011 all over again um and i was like it can't be that bad um maybe and like i i was thinking tonight as this game quotes around the game part as this thing was unfolding, like maybe the extended three point line has been the gift and the curse. Like Virginia can't hit shots, but then nobody else can either. You know, like if you, you, you think about it, like what, what happened? Purdue hit some and that's, you know, I mean the kid from Vermont went kind of crazy. 
Um, there was a little spell there where the kid from Arizona State went nuts. But like realistically, like Virginia's defense is good enough that if the offense was scoring 63 or so a game, they would be, I don't want to say unstoppable, but they, they would be incredibly difficult to beat. And it's not, there's not a whole lot of difference between, you know, 56 and 63. But man, it feels like it's a lot. And I just, I, I'm not saying that like, if you are someone who thinks that they shouldn't, that you shouldn't be, critical of the team because of the championship and you and and you're finding it more relaxing i'm not not gonna not gonna harsh Shamello. like that's fine that's cool like that's totally your thing i just don't know if i don't think it's out of bounds by any stretch to be critical of a team just because they want a championship ferber what do you think uh, i mean especially for you i mean since you run the site i mean it's kind of your job to be critical <laughs> like you know if you're if you if you went out every day and said, this team is great. They have, you know, sure, they're not scoring a ton of points, but that's just because they play slow, or you just, you know, embrace the pace, whatever, you know? Like, that would just be lies. <laughs> this, this offense isn't good. Um, you don't have to pretend it's good. And I, I said this on Twitter a few weeks ago, and most people seem to agree with me. Um, I didn't really get any backlash for saying it, this team lost so much from last year and so much of their losses were, I don't want to say unscheduled, but ahead of schedule losses. They, it, Cause like if these guys were all seniors and they graduated and went pro and this was the result the following season, you could say like Tony didn't do a very good job managing this roster. Like, I think that would be a very good fair criticism, but in this case, that's not really the, the way it is because I mean, I think he thought he might lose, like, DeAndre Hunter to the NBA, but then he'd keep the other two. And then it was pretty clear after about halfway through the season that Ty Jerome would probably go. And then Kyle, I mean, his decision to go was, you know, not really expected and, and kind of came last second. I mean, obviously he didn't wait till the deadline, but um, it didn't seem like it was trending that way. But, you know, th the result is he wasn't able to kind of like pick somebody up really late that was able to help. And there, I, I don't remember there being a bunch of guys he missed on that would have been able to help right away. Um, but it, it is what it is for this year. I think next year you'll see things kind of revert back to the way they were. It might not be as good. I mean, UVA's offense was a lot better than people like probably remember last year. I mean, they had one of like the top 10 offenses in the country. Uh, and the best offense they've ever had under Tony Bennett. I mean, like the the best looking, the most efficient, uh, the most fun to watch, like the most probably the most potent. Um, and they, if they don't remember the last few games. It reminded them. Trust me. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, but I mean, I, I think that this is what I said on Twitter a couple weeks ago. This team's offense is bad. They're just not good. And that's okay to say because I'm not criticizing the program or the style. It's just this team. Every team is different from the previous, right? Like the team in 2014 with Joe Harris on it and the team from last year, they might play sort of similar, but there's no parts that, you know, played across those two teams. Maybe Jack Salt because it felt like he was there forever. Um, but you, yeah, yeah. The, the criticism from the national media that everybody got freaked out about over the last few years was more of an indictment of the style of play and the system and Tony's philosophy. That's not what we're doing. We're just looking at what we're seeing and telling you. Like, <laughs> there's nothing else to it. Um, the, the, this game, like, that's why I said before we recorded, 
you know, we were talking, like, what do we want to say about basketball? I was like, I don't really have anything new to say because this game that we just watched tonight that UVA, you know, pulled away a little late, that wasn't an outlier or something new. It was exactly the same thing as we see every game. The difference is how the other team shoots. Yeah. Like, like I mean, they, they kind of did pretty well at the beginning of the second half and kept themselves in the game. And it wouldn't have been a stretch for them to win it. Like, I mean, if they had just played a little better. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to say UVA almost lost, but if, if they had shot a little bit better, then they could have, you know, kept it really close. Um, so I don't, like, when I watched that, it was, the shock of it was, there was none. Because it was like, even though, yeah, it's you beat Carolina, but you, you looked exactly the same as you did in this game. I mean, it's no different. I think for me, there's a difference between having a conversation about something and like acting like it's a problem. Like, right. So, like, we can talk about this team and say, yeah, the offense isn't very good and this is what they need to do in order, you know, to basically ride their defense to wins. And then also, like, this is not like a nine alarm fire. Like, nobody needs to get up in arms, you know, like it's a conversation that I think happens one because you know, the podcast and the sort of nature of the, of the, of the website sort of implies like, hey, you got to cover the team. But I think that, like, there are people who will get like uppity about it, you know, like like people will be in my mentions during games. And I'm like, there's a difference between saying between knowing and like having a conversation with your friend or on a podcast or whatever you might or on a message board. Right. And like, hey, these are the reasons, you know, the, but like you don't need to take it to that next level where it's like where it's like um, the conversation or the, the, the words take this like dramatic tone or this like personal tone it doesn't need to escalate, I guess is what I'm saying. Like we can have a conversation and say, you know what? Virginia goes out and shoots as poorly as they did for that stretch of the first half. And they're not going to be leading most teams. Um, th- there's no reason that this, that is a, as good as they are defensively, they've got to figure out ways either to be more efficient or to just score in a, in different ways. So for example, like, they went back to a lot of blocker mover stuff, which is probably the right move, especially against Carolina. Kafaro and McCoy, I thought were important. McCoy didn't even play tonight, right? Um, there's a, there's a. I think there's a certain way that Virginia has played the last couple seasons that is just not going to work this season. Like these guys, I don't know if you're going to be able to like have a dude play a bunch of minutes one night, not play the next night, and then play a bunch of minutes. Like I think these guys need time. Um, and I, and I, and I think Tony did the right thing. He didn't mortgage when he realized the situation last season and he understood where the roster was. He didn't mortgage the present, excuse me, mortgage the future for the present. Right. He, he kept doing what has made them successful. And next year they're going to be markedly better. Right. Um, we've talked about that before. As I watch this team play, the thing that keeps bugging me is that you, you very rarely ever see guys when they look comfortable, right? Like every once in a while, like there was this, there was this one two man situation with Wolde Tensai and, and Diakite and, and they got the guy leaning and you could tell like there was some, some instinct there. Everybody's thinking everybody. And, and on some level, I, I don't know if, if you can fix that with anything but time. But as I watch this team and I think about expectations in part, that's warped by the fact that the, the that college basketball as a whole, there's so much parity. But it's also warped by the fact that like that defense is so good that they you should be in every game. The question is just going to be how how poor the offense plays and whether you let the other team stay in it. Um, 
Dave, I want to, I want you to have the, the last word here. Um, oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so no pressure. As you, as the, what do you want to see um, Sunday against South Carolina? Like, what, what would you, what do you want to see? Is it, is it, you don't care, just get a win? Or do you think, <laughs> is that, or is that, is that kind of where you are with this team? But yes. I mean, that's kind of where I am with this team. But um, I mean, the one thing that kind of hit me tonight watching this team is, isn't that the team is devoid of offensive talent. Like, Obviously, Marcel's struggling with his three-point shot. Walden Tensei is still trying to get used to this level of ball. J-Hop's still trying to figure out if he wants to be aggressive or not. Um, and then Mamadi is trying to be the, the alpha. Um, it isn't that, like, individually these guys have talent. They just don't complement each other very well. Um, and I don't know that that's something that will change in a game or two. And I don't know that's something that will change quick enough for the season to be hit the ceiling. But I, I do think it's something that can improve. Like, you know, I, I don't think you know, we talked earlier in the season about, you know, if, if Morsell can shoot a little better and Walton Tensei can shoot a little better. Well, well, they are, but I don't think, I mean, now that we've got even more games under the belt, like I, I don't think them becoming 40, you know, 35, 40%, 40% three point shooters is going to happen. So to me, it's like, how can the staff figure out a way to, to group them together on the floor and and tweak the offense enough so that you can use the little bit of complementary aspects of their game to your advantage. Because um, this team doesn't need to score 20 more points a game. If they could just score 8 to 10 more a game, then they're a whole different animal. Um, whether that's, you know, our offense right now is getting us a lot of three-point looks. Um, and that's going to be hard to overcome because teams can just zone us. But whether it's substitution patterns or whatever, like I do think there's some ways you can you can make this offense a little more dynamic, um, and I think that's why you saw Stadman gets so much burn tonight because I think he's the one piece. As much as we kind of overlook him, like I think he's the one guy who can play with either set. Like he can be the outside guy. Um, like I think his shot is a purist, and I think he's a guy that can kind of blend the two the other players together. So I think that's why you saw him get more burned tonight and McCoy not get a lot. Um, I don't have a whole lot of faith that it's going to happen in a season just because there's, there's a lot of young guys and new guys playing big roles, but I don't think it's as bad as we fear, but I, I do think it's, it's probably too much for this team to be an elite level basketball team this year, but it's still going to be a good year. Because Tony Bennett's a coach. Or we, we're like ninth in the country, and we're talking about this team like they're well, they've got four I, losses. I think that, you know? and that's a that's fair. That's the beauty of it. That's a fair criticism of us, right? Like, but I think I think part of that. I mean, we honestly, also all realize they probably shouldn't be, right? Yeah, that yeah. exactly. I think that's the inertia of the polls. I mean, they started in the top whatever, and then they kept winning, and then they lost. But you don't drop that far, and then they and then they beat Carolina. So, yeah, I mean, you talked about the ceiling, like. I think, you know, like Dave said, they could make a run because in March, weird stuff happens. 11 seeds have made it to the Final Four. Um, but I, I can't imagine them winning four games in a row against a good team. Like, I can't imagine them getting to the to the Final Four. Um, with Because I can't imagine them being in, able to hold off four straight offenses that are good or decent in a row. Um but yeah, that's where I am with it. I mean, as far as like the issues, I think Dave hit a lot of it. But the biggest thing for me, just one sentence, I think they have a lot of like really good complementary pieces and no star. 
Like they don't have an offensive player that can carry the team. So I think that's where you are. You, that's why everybody's so deferential because they're, they're role players that are, I mean, good role players, like some potential pros, um, but you don't have anybody that can like, they, they don't have a guy that's like the alpha dog on offense. And I think you can only go so far if you don't have that guy. Well, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank um, if you are somebody <laughs> who clicked one of those links that didn't work. I'm I'm sorry, but they're fixed now. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Um, if you found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. You don't mind? Look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever that you get your shows. Um, also, if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. Helps to uh, get us out in front of more people. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out, calfscorner.com right now. Let's see what I got. All kinds of signing day stuff. I got this massive, I think it's the longest recruiting feature I've ever done with Andrew Gentry talking about his commitment and um, and everything. Um, I talked to um, James Poglarek about uh, his recruitment. I talked to, let's see, I've got, um, I did Elijah Gaines the other day as well. Um a whole lot of stuff. We got stuff on um, Damon Clowney, um, who's a four-star former LSU commit who is probably going to take a visit to UVA. So there's another um, possibility for February. Um, and then going forward, I've got uh, we got a chance to talk to not just Bronco today, and you can listen to the audio that's in the feed, but then also uh, talk to Zane Zandier and to Dylan Rankinsmeyer. So you'll see those coming out in the next couple of days um, as well, uh, talking about the Orange Bowl and uh, everything which something tells me we'll be getting into very, very soon. Um, remember, that Fanatics link is there. If you need Christmas presents, um, it doesn't have to be UVA stuff. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, I don't know, NHL, whatever. Anything that you get through that link helps us support the site. We very much appreciate that. Um, again, I want to thank Thorium Wealth and Second String Sports for their support. You can visit Thorium Wealth online at T-H-O-R-I-U-M-Wealth.com for more information, full disclosures, and you can go to SecondStringSports.com as well. Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate it. Um, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.